everyone. Welcome back to Mercy Talk. We have a special treat for you today, which is our founder and president, Nancy Elkhorn, sharing a special message um, that she shared recently on the area of vision and passion and really following the prompting and leading of God in the area of obedience. We really feel like this fits right into our conversations that we've been having this month on casting vision and looking to 2018. So we hope that you will give a listen and enjoy. We'll see you all next week. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. Father, I thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding and the comfort of your Holy Spirit that we're all pulling on this morning, Lord. And we just thank you for our dear friends, Landy and Joy, and their family, and we lift them up to you. And Lord, we know that Landy's crossed over, but we ask you to bring comfort as only you can to that awesome family that we all love and respect so much. And we, Lord, I just lift the service up to you. I pray that you would use my words, Lord, to encourage and inspire the people in their own journeys as, as we all seek to walk with you and do your will and fulfill your plan and purpose for our individual and collective lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I will tell you that the love and respect that Dan spoke of is, is uh, mutual. Really love this church. I tell people all the time that even, like I just got off of a three-week road trip and I'm getting ready to go on another one. So I'm gone a lot, but I see the proof of the love and the nurture for our girls through Ken and Lisa's Life Notes class as well as the congregation itself and the way you pray for the girls when they come forward. And I just, you know, they're in the Word every day at Mercy. They're being taught the Word of God. But they receive almost like a reparenting here. It's just really special. And the relationships are strong, the bonds are strong, and that's very clear when so many of the people from Christchurch show up for girls' graduations. You can see the strength of those relationships and what they meant to our girls. So I just want to thank you for pastoring our girls so well, and, and Pastor Dan, I honor you as the senior pastor, and just appreciate you and Hunter and Linda and all the people that have been so supportive of us. Um, I, w I want to share this morning about something that I think is probably important to all of us, and that is how to be led by the Spirit of God in a very practical way in our individual lives. And before I start that message, I would like to show you a brief video so that you can kind of... I'm going to be referring to certain things, and I think it would be easier for me to take three minutes to show you the last 34 years than to try to catch you up with my words. So if you would, let's take a quick look at this. I spent the first eight years of my career right out in college working for the government, and I worked at a girls' correctional facility for juvenile delinquent girls. Then I transferred to the Emergency Child Protective Services Unit. One day I was like, God, why do I have to stay in this? Why do you have me here? I don't want to do this anymore. And he said, you need to stay right where you are because you just spent five years dealing with angry teenage girls, and now I'm taking you back in time, and I'm showing you why. They're so angry. 
So with $1,000 and a few clothes in my car, I went to Louisiana on January 15, 1983. And God said to me, I want you to move forward and I want you to start a ministry where you have the freedom, full freedom, to share Jesus Christ. Whether they're addicts, eating disorders, sexually abused, sex traffic, it does not matter what the problem is. Jesus Christ is the answer. There were the, the three things that God showed me to do. Take young women in free of charge. They need to know that your love is pure, that you're not trying to make money off their problem. Secondly, God showed me your needs will be met through your giving. And the third thing God showed me is I don't want you to ever take state or government funding or any other money with strings on it where they come in and say you don't have the freedom to share Christ. Because without that freedom, the lives will not change. No telling how many lives have been blessed. Not only the girls that came through Mercy Ministries, but many of them married, have children now. It's been a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, we could not have come this far without people like you who have given. We support Mercy because it is an amazing transformational ministry. I like to call it Mercy Multiply because literally they are going out and multiplying what has happened in their lives, in the lives of so many others and even in other nations around the world. Hey Nancy, I'm excited about the years that you've got behind you, but I'm also excited about the years that are ahead. It's the right time to get outside the walls of the church, to get outside the walls of ministry, to get outside the walls of our comfort zone, and to take the message of hope and freedom and transformation outside the walls of mercy. They're reaching out to us for help, and we are going to answer the call. want to say that um, that's the girls you saw and other nations doing great things for God is a small representation of what you have made possible through your monthly giving to us and I want to thank you, thank this church um, I remember that when I first, I'm from Tennessee but I went to Louisiana to start the first home in 1983 I came back here at the end of 1989 and 
Pastor Hardwick literally made this pulpit available to me and and made it his business to connect me to every person that he knew in Nashville. So that was a lot of people. And uh, to, to, to get a lot, to, to start the foundation for everything that's happened since then. And I'm so grateful. The text for my message this morning, I'm going to put up on the screen, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I chose the New King James Version, and it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We sang it today. I didn't know we were going to when I picked the scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he shall direct your paths. Not he might, but he shall. And so that's the text for today's message. And I just want to go back in time and tell you, I was working for the government here in Tennessee, and one of the lifelines that made, I, I had, I, the last three years I worked for the government, I worked investigating child abuse cases in the Emergency Child Protective Services Unit, and I would have nightmares. I would see little boys being sodomized and little girls being raped and beaten and, and just horrible things that you hear about on the news. I would see that, and one of the life, I would have nightmares about it, and, and I remember being mad at God, like, why do you have me here? I didn't know that he was preparing me for something, you know, that I would do later, but basically, I just spent five years dealing with angry teenage girls in a girl's prison in Tennessee, and then the last three years, God was taking me back in time and showing me why they were so angry, because these were the things that had happened to, to them as little girls, and... I remember one of the lifelines for me to be able to keep my sanity during that time was going to a little church here up on the hillside called Christ Church and hearing that awesome choir that Landy read and that led. And um, that was in the uh, late 70s and early 80s. So I leave in 1983 to go to Louisiana. I'm gone seven years. Had no idea that this place had exploded. While I was gone, I come back and I hear about this guy named Pastor Dan, who a white guy who could sing like a black guy. I mean, you know, it was just awesome. And he'd get up and sing, man, and his messages, and I'm like, man, I like this dude. And so, anyway, and y'all know he can break out at any moment. Feel free to do it this morning if you want to. Uh, but I just... I couldn't believe what had happened here. And I found out that I actually had Pastor Hardwick share a little bit of this story with me directly. And some of you old, old timers that have been here a long time know the story. But basically, the Spirit of God led him to take a stand basically against some of the legalism of his own denomination. Is that fair? And it was a godly stand because it was about loving people from all walks of life, which is why I think it's so awesome that Pastor Dan spoke of the diversity of this church. And out of that obedience to God, this place exploded. And God started sending people in here from everywhere. And, you know, we, obviously we all go through hard times and this church has not been exempt from that. But I just thank God for a healthy church that has diversity and good leadership. And it's why I'm still here. And I just want to say that it was about that time, fall of 1982, I was still going to this little church up on the hill and just loving the music and feeling like that that was a place that I could go to kind of, you know, be prayed over and 
And I remember Pastor Harwick and I had a lot of conversation because he was the chaplain at the men's prison for a number of years. And so we would have great conversation about the Department of Corrections, some of the things that went on. But, but the point is not that. The point is this. God started putting a vision in me, started showing me that he was going to have me leave my government job. And he showed me that I was going to have to take a step of faith and, and start a ministry. And so I had no idea about the time frame, but this started kind of mulling in me around 81, 82. So the fall of 1982, I'd never been to Louisiana before, and I got invited to go there by some youth pastors that used to live in Nashville, and they invited me to come spend a week. So I went there for a week in October of 1982, and during that week... I could. I felt the Lord begin to to deal with me, and I didn't hear an audible voice. But if you've ever heard the voice of God, you know when God is speaking to you. I had. I spent so much time in His Word and and renewing my mind to His Word, trying to order my life by His Word, trying to be obedient to do the things He wanted me to do, and I especially had to cling to His Word during that government time. But I, I, I came to realize after eight years of working for the government that God has not anointed the government to heal broken hearts and set captives free. Well-meaning people, the system's broken. And that unless we have the freedom to share about the only one who can heal broken hearts, the only one who can put a new heart and a new spirit in us, the only one who can forgive sin, the only one who can give a new beginning, unless that freedom is there, the lives are not going to change. So God started putting a plan in me, and I went to Louisiana, and one afternoon I heard the Lord just say to me, just it came up strong in my spirit, I want you to go get in the car and drive around the city, and I'm going to talk to you. Well, I could have said, no, I'm going to watch a TV show, and I probably wouldn't be standing here today, because everything that God asks us to do is a step toward the next step, and the next step, and the next step, and my own understanding didn't understand why he wanted me to go drive around the city, but I got in the car, and I did it. And while I was driving around the city, I heard the Lord say, get a good look at this place because I'm about to send you here and you're going to start a ministry to young women and it will be a Christ-centered ministry and it will be for young girls who want help. And I came back to Nashville and I was just like, wow, I'm going to be living in that city. And... I figured out I better learn to eat crawfish and a few other things, because they do that a lot there. And um, came back, and it was November, and I was in my apartment in uh, North Nashville, praying about what I was supposed to do in the middle of the night, and it just God just started downloading stuff for me. And my life is not like this every day, but at that particular time and season, that's the way it was. And he said, these are, these are the three, he said, there's three things I want you to do. This, I want you to start this ministry. The first thing I want you to do is take girls who want help, because not everybody wants help. They have to want to come. Take them in free of charge. Second thing, whatever money comes into your ministry, give 10% of what comes into your ministry to other ministries. Your needs will be met through your giving. And the third thing God showed me is never take any government or funding or any funding that will restrict the freedom to share Christ. So I don't know about you guys, but when God says something like that to somebody who has zero money, my understanding was screaming at me. What do you mean? But back to the text. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. 
but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. So I'm like, Lord, I don't understand. He said, I know you don't understand, but you're just gonna have to trust me. So I spent the next, I, I even did some fasting. I did some praying. I spent a good bit of time with God seeking him and I'm like, some, it sounded something like this. Lord, I know you've showed me that I'm supposed to go to Louisiana. If you give me what I need, then I will go. And that was my prayer. That's the way it was for several days, several weeks. And finally, one day I heard the Lord say, no, you have it backwards. It's not, it's not give me what I need and then I'll go. It's you go to the place that I've showed you to go to and the provision will be on the path that I've called you to walk on. So, I, so then I began to understand that what Hebrews 11 once says, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And in that same chapter, Hebrews 11, it says we walk by faith and not by sight. And I begin to get a revelation of the fact that I was going to have to go for to, before anything would ever happen. And so the enemy always comes to try to hit us with fear, fear of the what ifs, what if this, what if that. And I know it happens in every person's life here. No matter what your journey may be, no matter what it is that God may be dealing with you about to do or not to do, it's just a matter of saying okay to God. And I, I, I shuddered today at the thought of, of what my life would look like if I had not said yes to those little basic steps. Because one step leads to the next, and then the next, and the next, and the next. And that's pretty much the way that I lived my life. He orders our steps. We want the whole big picture, don't we? We want to know it all. We want to know what it's going to look like next year, and five years, and 10 years from now. Just know this that the Lord is good, and he does good. And if we follow him, it'll all work out okay. So we trust in him with not part of our heart, but all of our heart. And, and this thing right here, we lean to that, we'll talk ourselves out of obedience. So we don't want to do that because you do not know who is on the other side of your obedience to God. And we spoke about Landy this morning. His fingerprints are on everything over here. There's no such thing as the perfect person. I, I'll be the first one to tell you that I didn't have a clue what I was doing when I started Mercy. I didn't. But God began to teach me out of my obedience. And, and Landy's fingerprints are on everything around here. He, he, he's an interior designer. And if you've ever tried to hire him, you know that he's very expensive. <laughs> and in the video, you saw the Nashville home. And Landy was shocked to find out how great you can make things look on a small Pier 1 Target budget. And if you don't believe it, just ask Joy. She'll tell you. But, but seriously, the night before we cut the ribbon, you saw the ribbon cutting in the picture. The night before we cut the ribbon on the Nashville home, Landy literally stayed up with the team of people all night long to get that place to look the way that it did because we were having the ribbon cutting the next day. And we had about six or 700 people cram into that place in the year. Would, it was November of 1995, so that's how long ago that's been. And uh, he made it look so beautiful. But that was another step. I, I, I couldn't afford anybody like him, but I sure wanted somebody like him that could put it all together, and he did it. And he didn't charge us anything. And uh, I'm glad that he is in heaven now because he would not want me to tell that he did something for nothing. <laughs> so, Landy is a very giving man and a, you know, 
I just honor and respect his life. I know we all have that heavy on us today, but um, so I went to Louisiana and a newspaper reporter approached me not too long after I was there and wanted to do a story about my work with the government and why I had come to Louisiana. And so what I thought would be maybe a little paragraph in the paper ended up being a front page, three page story with all these pictures. And people began to ask me to come and speak. And I think the largest crowd I've ever spoken in front of in person is like 50,000 people in Minute Maid Park on an Easter Sunday morning with Joel Osteen. But back then, I would, the phone would ring and I would go to somebody's living room or somebody's Sunday school class and speak to five people. And there is a principle in God I was, uh, that is, is we're faithful in the little things that God will make us ruler over much. I didn't understand how anything was going to happen, but things began to come together. People began to make monthly commitments to us. We were able to get a good board of people together, uh, well-renowned people in Monroe. For some reason, God gave me favor with those people. It was part of his plan. And he brought those businessmen and businesswomen who were who had uh, great reputation in, in, in the Monroe, West Monroe area, and they came on our board. And those people, the people that I met through, those people would literally say, we don't know you, but we know her or we know him. And if they say you're okay, then you're okay. Amen. And so that God, I had favored favor, if that makes sense. And that was all a part of what God was putting together, too. And so we eventually raised enough money to buy the first home. We quickly developed a waiting list. God started moving in spite of us not knowing what we were doing. God's word is true, and he said, my word will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish what we send it to accomplish. So at least we knew to give the girls the word of God. We knew to lead them to Christ. We knew to tell them that they were forgiven. Uh, we knew to tell them, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are new. And it's not once damaged goods, always damaged goods. It's not once an addict, always an addict. But it's new creation in Christ Jesus. And you have a right now to say, I may not, like the Apostle Paul did, I may not be all I should be yet, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to what's ahead. So we begin to see transformation, not treatment, but transformation. A new heart, a new spirit, a new life. And so it, it, it got so exciting, and girls were on a waiting list. And I remember in the first few years, in the first three years of Mercy, we took every kind of situation you could think of except pregnant girls. Because in my mind, I felt like we needed a separate building for pregnant girls. And so I, girls would call. And I would say, you know, we're, that's the second part of this vision. One day we're going to take an unwed mother's home, but right now we just, uh, unwed mothers, but right now we don't have the facilities to do it, but that's our next plan. And so I would go out and speak to civic groups and church groups, Rotary Club, and so on and so forth. Every time I had an opportunity, I'd go speak. And I would speak out against abortion. And one morning I was praying, and... I wasn't even praying about abortion. I was trying to pray about something else, but sometimes God has something on his mind that he wants to call your attention to. And I heard the Lord say to me, you are a hypocrite. And it just jolted me. And I'm like, what? And because in my 
mine. I was doing good, you know. And he said, you're a hypocrite. And I, and I said, why? What do you mean? And he said, because you go out and you speak out against abortion. And I've had young women call you who were in that situation with an unplanned pregnancy. I've had, I've had them call you. And you haven't taken them in. And I remember I just broke, man. And I just started crying because I had this um, perfectionist way of, once again, here we are again. Lord, give me what I need to do it perfectly, and then I'll start doing it. And he goes, no, you got it backwards. You start taking in the girls that are pregnant, and I will give you the expansion you need to take more. So I cried, and he said, you have a choice. You either start taking the men, or you, you no longer have the right to speak out against abortion. So I repented that morning with a lot of tears, and I said, God, if you'll give me another chance, I, I will take, take the girls that call in from now. I'll, I'll take them in. The next day, I pass, a pastor called me. And if you're a pastor, like these guys down here, you understand that sometimes you need help. And we see ourselves as a ministry of helps to pastors and to local churches. And the pastor called me and he said, I've got a mess on my hand and I need your help. And he said, there is a 13-year-old girl in my church who just got pregnant by her mother's 37-year-old boyfriend and they all go to my church. And so I knew that was God having mercy on me, giving me another chance. And, and we took her in. And that was the first girl of literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of girls who have walked through our doors with an unplanned pregnancy. And some choose parenting. God showed us our, our job is not to tell them what they should do. Our job is to introduce them to the Lord, teach them how to pray, and be led by the Spirit of God for themselves. And so with this young girl, that's her name was Sherry, that's what we did. And she made the decision at age 13 that she needed to place this baby for adoption. And out of that, one thing leads to another. Here we are again. He will order our steps. He will direct our path. But out of that came the necessity to start an adoption agency. That wasn't on the list of things that I wanted to do when I grew up. But it became a necessity. And as a result of that, we've had the privilege of placing hundreds of babies, some who even attend this church, with uh, adoptive couples who are believing God for children. And the cool thing... The cool thing about that is about three months after we took in the first pregnant girl, actually they started calling us almost daily after that. And I had this, I had this perfectionist idea that we should have a separate building for pregnancy, but to this day we don't. They're a part of the whole population. It's like I said in the video, whatever the problem is, Jesus is the answer. It's God's word that preached, that brings a transformation, whatever the issue is. And so it just works amazing. And so to this day, that's how we do it. And um, so we st once we started taking in the pregnant girls, I had been invited to speak in an evangelism conference in Las Vegas, Nevada before, about three months before that first girl came into the program. And we, we had bought the property next door to our first facility in Louisiana, and we were believing God 
for, for more expansion so that we could take in more of the pregnant girls, all the pregnant girls, every girl that called, no matter what the problem was. We needed more space is what I'm saying. Because you can't put a pregnant girl on a waiting list. She has to go to the top of the list. So anyway... Um, I went to speak in that evangelism conference. I'd never been to Las Vegas before. And it was kind of crazy to see all the wildness that goes on there, but all the opportunity too. And we did street, we had seminars during the day, street ministry at night. We would walk in the casinos and see all the people who definitely were in need of a savior. And um, it was something else and was there for about eight days and I remember the city never shuts down if you've ever been there we got very little sleep and so I got on the plane to come home that day and I remember when I got on the plane I was one of the last people that boarded and I looked around I was so tired I could not wait to take a nap I just wanted to sleep I was just peopled out so I looked around the plane and there was one seat right next to me and I'm just like oh God is so good to me that the seat is open next to me and I'm just going to get to take a nap and stretch out and it's all good. And I was feeling pretty happy with the Lord until (laughs) right before they shut the cabin door, here comes this guy down the aisle. And I saw him coming and I knew there was only one place for him to sit. So being the spiritually mature, spirit-led, looking for God opportunity person that I am, I pretended to be asleep. I guess, I, I guess you call that a lie. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm sitting there pretending to be asleep, and I start to feel the plane move, and about this time, before we even got off the runway, he, the guy's poking me in the arm. Hey, lady, how much money did you lose gambling in Las Vegas this week? <laughs> and I said, well, that's not, actually, I didn't gamble. He goes, what? You didn't get, you came to Vegas and you didn't gamble? And that started a two and a half hour conversation. At first I was a little mad at God, but then I eventually just like, okay, I'm gonna go with this thing. So for two and a half hours we talked, he never told me his name, and right when I was getting off the plane, he goes, do you have any information about that work, the work that you're doing? So I found this black and white, we got, we've got pretty brochures now, you can pick one up out at the table, all nice and in color. Back then it was a black and white, real skinny little brochure, and I found one in my purse and that was the day of landlines for all of you millennials you may not even understand what a phone is with a squiggly little cord on it but we had landlines back then no cell phones and so we had I had the landline number on this brochure handed it to him and was really ready to get away from him even though he was nice I just was so tired and I gave it to him and I didn't think much about it and about three weeks later the little squiggly cord landline phone rings. And my assistant comes to get me and she said, there's a man on the phone that said he met you on an airplane from Las Vegas and you'll remember who he is. And I said, yes, I do. So long story short, I went to the phone and he said, look, I don't even think I told you my name. He told me his name. And he said, I need to tell you something. He said, my whole adult life, when I get under stress of my job, I go to Vegas and I party and I gamble and I chase women. That's what I do. And he said, but three months before I met you on that plane, I got born again. And this time when I got to Vegas, it was like, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be here. He said, I don't know. I just knew I shouldn't be here. And he said, I sat through two planes trying to fly standby, and I got the last seat that day right next to you. 
And he said, I don't know about much about this God stuff yet, he said, but I, I still smoke cigarettes and I still use profanity. That's what he told me. I started laughing. Because <laughs> I thought it was funny. Because he said, I get up every morning, I light my cigarette, and I read my Bible, and I drink my coffee. <laughs> and he said, and every morning, because you know why I think it's funny? Because he was a new Christian. And eventually the Holy Spirit worked with him to bring more transformation, like he does to all of us. There's a process. And he said, Nancy, every time I pray, I keep seeing your face, and I feel like God is telling me you're trying to build something, and I'm supposed to help you. What are you trying to build? So I told him about the need for us to take in we were believing for extra space because we had so many girls that were pregnant that needed a place to come and, and so that they could choose life. And when I said that, the guy started sobbing on the other end of the phone. And when I didn't know what to do, so I just didn't do anything. I just sat there. I didn't know what was going on. And when he finally was able to speak, he said, Nancy, I'm 40 years old. And 40 years ago, there was a teenage girl that got violently raped and I was the product of that rape. And he said, I've never met my birth mother, but I've always been so thankful for the people that took her in free of charge and took care of her. And because of those people, whoever they are, I was placed with my wonderful adopted family when I was five days old. And he said, I've had an amazing life. And last year my adopted mother passed away and left me with several million dollars. And I've been looking for something to do in memory of her. How much more money do you need? And he paid for that expansion. And you know, Psalm 119, 105 says, His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Psalm 119, 133, He orders my steps in His word. And I'll tell you this, I know that I'm, at, I'm, not, I'm not an intellectual person. I've, I'm average IQ. I mean, I'm, I mean that. I know because I've had an IQ test done. <laughs> so I want you to understand what I'm about to say. For all you people that think you're not very smart, I got something for you. Psalm 119, 130 says, The entrance of God's word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So if you make up your mind that you are going to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and allow him to direct your path, he will make you look so smart. <laughs> and it won't matter what your IQ is. I'm just saying... And I'm gonna close, I'm gonna close with this. You know, the other thing I forgot to tell you about that building that we were believing for before I met the man on the plane. By the way, he would never let me tell his name and to this day there's a plaque that hangs in the lobby honoring the man on the plane. <laughs> and when he passed away, his wife said, Rick's gone and he can't get mad at me and he can't get mad at you, so you're gonna come speak at his funeral and you're gonna tell that story to the whole world. And I did. It was pretty special. Wanted to dry in the house. But during that time, and, and I'm going to close with just a couple of more comments, but during that time, before I went to Vegas, I was praying, you know, God, I need the money. If you'll give me the money, I'll build this building. And he goes, how many times am I going to have to tell you this? 
This is not how it works. He said, if I had somebody give you the money today, you wouldn't be able to build the building because you haven't even been to the architect yet to have the plans drawn up. And I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) Duh. That's what I mean about not being that smart. But do what he says. He'll make you look good. So anyway, so we went to the architect and got the plans done. And then because of that, I believe because of that step of obedience, I'm trying to get way over here. And God says, no, you're still right here. And how many times do we do that? And I believe because of that one step of obedience to that still small voice is why he set up that divine appointment on that airplane. I totally believe it with all my heart. And one more thing I want to tell you. It's important for us to obey those prompt. If God puts it on your heart to send somebody a card, to send it. You, do, you have no idea how, how, how much they may need to read whatever it is that you're going to write on that card. And one day I was just reading the word and I came across this scripture. Let him, this, was a, this would have been about 1992. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Just a real simple scripture. Now y'all saw Joyce Meyer in the video. She's like a spiritual mentor to me. But back then I did not know her. But somebody had sent me about a year before a copy of her testimony along with some teachings about bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. When I listened to her testimony, it blew me away because it was about how her biological father started having sex with her before she was ever a teenager. And she prayed that her mother would walk in and so that it would stop, and her mother walked in and pretended she didn't see it and walked right out. This is all public testimony. I never met this woman, but when I heard her testimony, I knew it would connect with our residents. We begin to have all those girls listen. I'm thinking, if if I want to, if somebody's going to preach about how to be free from bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness, I want to know that they've had something major they've had to forgive. And I thought this woman has the authority to preach on this. So we had been using using her testimony and her teaching about forgiveness with all of the girls in the home with great results. And I came across that scripture this day and the Lord said, you need to send Joyce Meyer an offering. And I just said, okay. And at that time, uh, we have probably close to 150 staff now, but that time in Nashville, we had, you know, we got our office building next door and 40 bed facility and many staff over there. But at that time, there was all three of us working out of an office downtown, raising money to build that building debt free, which we did, by the way. And so God said, I want you to send her an offer. And so Judy Wilson was our... Um, Judy Wilson was our accountant at the time, and I went into her office, and I said, how much money do we have in our bank account? And she said, a little over $1,000. I said, well, let's leave the little over in there, and let's send a $1,000 check to, God just spoke to me, I need to send this woman an offering that we've been using her. So I I sent it, Judy gave me the check, I got ready to put it in the envelope, and and I heard the Lord say, no, you take time to tell her why you're sending this check. And it's kind of aggravated me because I was busy. I had stuff to do. I had money to raise. I had people to call. And the Lord was like, no, you need to tell her why. It won't, just to get a check is one thing, but you need to tell her how she's blessed so many of these girls and how God used her. So I started writing, handwritten note, 
And I put it, it ended up being about three pages. I put it in the envelope and I sent it. And about three weeks later, I got a check, handwritten note back from her. I was shocked because I didn't even think she'd ever even see the letter, much less respond. And she sent back three times more than I sent to her. And she's been given to us ever since. And the home that you saw in the video of St. Louis, it was paid for by Joyce Meyer Ministries, 32 acres and a 30-bed facility there. They paid for that. And their current level of giving to us is $25,000 a month to help us for the operating expenses of the St. Louis home. And I share, I'm going to close, but I share that with you to say... Had I not sent that offering when I ran across that scripture and I heard that still small voice, I don't believe any of the rest of it would have ever happened. You, talk, you, think, you think about a, a chain with links. You break one link, guess what? It gets separated. Our obedience is a step that leads to the next, that leads to the next, that leads to the next. So I'm just saying, let's all make a decision today that we are going to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. Our own understanding will try to talk us out of just simple things that God wants to use to cause great things to happen. So anyway, I just want to say thank you. And uh, we've, we, these are the last two books that I've written, some major stories. Ditch the Baggage, Change Your Life, and Mission of Mercy. So they did a bundle of these two books today. You can get both of them for $15, and it'll all, all the money goes back to help those girls right here that you see every Sunday. So, uh, And we have free magazines out there with great testimonies. Grab one. You never know when God may bring a young woman across your path who needs help. And uh, just that little act of obedience of keeping a magazine handy. You never know. I know we have websites today and cell phones instead of landlines, but still, uh, I'm old school, so it's good to have something that you can show somebody. Amen. All right. Love you guys. Thank you so much.